This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to TMZ Live. Harvey Levin here. Jacob here. Thank you for doing this today. Thank you for having me. Uh, so, um, this is big news. So, um, we broke a big story this morning on TMZ.com. Kevin Costner has rebounded. He is dating, and not just dating someone, he is dating Jewel. That's a picture of Kevin and Jewel uh, on Necker Island, which is uh, Sir Richard Branson's island. And this is unbelievable. They were at a, a tennis tournament. It's a charity event that Jewel throws for children every year. Uh, and the two of them were not only there together, they flew out together and they flew back together more than a week later. And while they were on Necker Island, they were neckering all <laughs> around. Um, this is a big deal. Yeah, and someone who was there tells us that they were all over each other. I mean, they look in that photo clearly very flirty with each other, but apparently this was going on for the whole weekend. And um, they, they have, you know, we, we can't tell you the time frame exactly how long that they have been dating. We're told it's not that long, but they are dating. They flew out, I believe, from Southern California together and then went back on the same private jet. So it was kind of a, a, a smallish event uh, on Necker Island. I mean, Richard Branson is a big uh, tennis player, and he hosted this event. Uh, but um, I got to say, when you look back at what has gone on with him in the last six, eight months, you know, this really super bitter divorce with Christine Baumgartner and the fact that he has rebounded because he was underground for a while. I mean, this really was a kind of bothered him, but he's fully back. He's fully back, but it's also just like you kind of mentioned, he's right out of this nasty divorce. Remember, I mean, it was he and Christine just kind of settled less than two months ago, maybe at this point. Right. Uh, and they had to iron out custody and who gets what and support and everything like that. Uh, so this kind of seems like to me, I don't know, maybe we'll see it continue to grow. It seems like the early stages they are having a lot of fun. They're with friends. They're in a beautiful place. Hey, you're single. I'm single. Let's have some fun. Uh, but look, it could could turn into something more, but it also could just kind of be the rebound relationship. Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, it could be a rebound, but we are told they are they are really into each other. The ages are interesting. She is forty nine. I believe she got divorced in two thousand fourteen. He is sixty eight. But you know, everybody we've talked to before we put this story up said. This is a really good match. Well, they've known each other for a while, too. Yeah. Jewel posted about the event on her Instagram and mentioned that Kevin's been working with her foundation for a long time and has mentored kids. My question is, how does Christine feel about all of this? You break up with this guy, you go through this tumultuous divorce, to now see him with a major superstar, uh, I feel like she's got to be a little hurt by it. I, you know, oh gosh. I mean, there are things we talk about and things we can't talk about, my gut is, based on everything that I know about this divorce, she may feel that way, but she's kind of moved on too. I mean, she moved on 
a while but, ago. But I also think it depends who you move on with. Like, you have to have a little bit resentment as someone's ex. Maybe you don't want them to upstage you a little bit if he goes off with a major oh award-winning, platinum-selling superstar. I'd be a little bitter, too. I just think that, and everybody in the office feels the way he does. I think it's ridiculous to say that, you know, you look at who the other person is dating and the more famous they are, the more hurt you are. That's ridiculous. It's how happy you are. And you shouldn't even be, if you've moved on, you shouldn't worry that the other person is happy or not happy. Then they have control over your life. But the idea that if they're, the richer they are, the sadder you are, the more famous they are, the sadder you are, it's ridiculous. Well, well, whether you want to admit it or not, it's something that everyone pays attention not to. Everyone. Who your not ex everyone. ends up going Not with. I would say the majority of people feel Everyone that pays attention to who their ex is with. Absolutely. You can't argue that. I can't, well, then I'm a unicorn on this. <laughs> but it's like at a point when you are done, it's like, why are you looking back and feeling bad about what the other person is doing? It's like- Because you want to see how you compare. There's nothing, and that's just human nature. There's nothing the matter with that. You want to see you know, it is something how am I doing compared to them. But you're not comparing yourself to them. <laughs> and they may be, look, look, Christine Baumgartner and Kevin Costner, he was so rich. But when you look at the misery in the middle of this divorce, is that something you want just because he's famous and rich? Oh, okay, no, but maybe after all that, she's thinking, well, you know, I hope it kind of tore him apart oh a little bit. God. Maybe he's not doing as well. And I don't think there's anything the matter with that. And I do. Hi, I'm Dana from Trenton, New Jersey, and I want to comment on Kevin Costner. I mean, after the divorce he's just been through, he deserves to have a little fun and unwind. And they're, um, you know, folks of a certain age, so they don't do a whole lot of dating stage. You kind of know what you want. But I just think he should proceed with caution because and just have fun. Do you, I mean, do you think it's too soon to give him a name yet? Yeah, it's too soon to give him a name yet. Although, let me just think. Well, we'll think of it later. Um, I was not going to do this, but now I'm going to do it just because of what you just said. So he's talking about, oh, my God, she must be so sad because she, because Kevin Costner's with somebody so famous now. He didn't know who Jewel was. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, I'm hey. just saying, you didn't know who Jewel was. All right, was. that was a cheap shot. <laughs> and and I've, all right, I'm not even going to defend myself. I, I, didn't, I, I don't think most people who are 26 years old know who Jewel is, okay. so sue me. Okay. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on. Um, this is kind of another dating thing, but it is, this is really interesting. So Selena Gomez has been dating a very famous music producer, Benny Blanco, apparently for about six months. Um, and she had worked with him once. I believe he's worked with Justin Bieber too. Yeah, yeah he's a huge producer, worked with Justin Bieber, ton of other people. But this took the internet by storm last night because usually when we see couples come together, it's a slow rollout. Maybe they'll post a picture, then, a, then maybe a little bit more of a flirty picture. It's a slow buildup, but this just went boom. She, start, she posted this photo where you see not even Benny's full face, but it looks like, you know, half his face. So and then- People are, are, are dragging her for dating him. Well, a lot of people were questioning, why would you do this? Who is this guy? And she went into the comments and was firing back saying, listen, this is the happiest I've been in a long time. And here's, I mean, from the horse's mouth, she says, 
He is my absolute everything in my heart. I mean, that's all you need to know right there. And then in a response to another cruel fan, she says, oh, sweetheart, I've been in therapy since I was 18. I know what's best for me and I will fight till I get what I deserve. I appreciate your misguided input, but I'm growing. Don't feel free to grow with me. Just know that I'm not going to be with a blank boy ever again. Are you guys ready for the kicker? Yes. She posted a photo of a ring on that ring finger, which has the letter B, obviously Benny Blanco, but also that diamond. So everyone's like, oh my gosh, are they Do you think she's engaged? I mean, so many people are wondering what's going on. Either way, she's got some kind of ring on that ring finger. It's pretty serious. But here's the thing, you guys. All the Selena, Justin Bieber fans are coming out of the woodwork. They're attacking her. Um, and why? also but realizing, why? well, number one, he's already worked with Justin Bieber. They so don't what? like that connection. But oh, number God. two, Harvey, they've pulled things that Benny has said in the past. He had once said um, when he was promoting his song uh, Lonely with Justin, he had said, Justin is not one of those like cookie cutter pop artists, you know, the ones that are like, this is my single and here's my makeup line. So everyone's upset because Selena is a singer with a makeup line, Rare Beauty. So they're saying like, how are you okay with this guy? Like he's clearly not supportive, but she says she's happy. Can I be the cynic here? The skeptic? Oh, I, the no, then you, I'm going to join you as one. Oh, okay. On. So another comment that Selena posted last night is someone asked, when's your album coming out? And to which she re- responded, two months. Seems like when you have a big album coming out, you want some press that goes up to it. It's too and early. What better? It's too early. Oh, oh, this will people will be talking about no, this for no. months. It's too early. Selena Gomez dating someone. This is what people I live know, but for. then if you re- if you're really serious about that, she would do that a week before the album dropped. You, you just wouldn't do it. Too but much who knows it. how she's gonna pile on top of this? And it also, seems this like is her promotion. This is her promotion, Jacob, saying that she's dating Benny Blanco when her history includes the weekend, Justin Bieber, you know, rumored with Orlando Bloom, but you think that Benny Blanco and her were like, this is great promotion. Well, I do, because Benny Blanco is a known jokester. He's a troll. And maybe if she wants to fake a relationship with someone, not everyone would go for that, but someone like Benny Blanco would. You know what? I need to see a photo of them hugging and kissing for me to believe it. The only reason I kind of buy this a little bit is, why would Selena Gomez start responding to all these trolls on social media? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. Why is she spending her time responding to all of this. It's such a waste of time if she's trying to defend a relationship that she has absolutely no reason to defend. It's her life. Why would she do that? So now all of a sudden, I don't know. Too much too fast. Hmm. Hey guys, Daddy from Austin, Texas. I don't understand what people's problem is with this. Is she only supposed to date former Jonas Brothers for the rest of her life? <clears throat> These two have known each other a while. They have a long-standing artistic and professional association. Seems like they got together for the right reasons. In any case, she's always been someone who, with poise, with a good head on her shoulders. So good for her. I'm, I'm really ha- happy for her. Why'd you I'm say Jonas have, Brothers? I don't know why it was <laughs> to throw her exes under the bus with all this, but good for her. What was the I'm Jonas not. Brothers comment? I don't get it. I, I just mean, like, do they want her just with, like, clean-cut, like, former boy band types? Like, is she supposed to date another Justin Bieber? Bieber, excuse me. <laughs> Any other Justin Bieber. There has been an explosion of anger uh, over what three uh, presidents of very elite universities said before Congress 
uh, earlier in the week uh, when asked about uh, speech that involved calling for the genocide of Jews. Um, and um, it did not go over well with a lot of people on their campuses, professors, um, and also donors. So just to kind of review before we get into this, this is what went down in Congress. At MIT, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment, yes or no? If targeted at individuals not making public statements. Specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision. At Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. These are unacceptable answers across the board. So uh, President uh, Liz McGill from the University of Pennsylvania tried to walk back uh, what she said before Congress the next day. Uh, here's what she said, and we'll explain. It is not sitting well with a lot of people. In that moment, I was focused on our university's longstanding policies aligned with the U.S. Constitution, which say that speech alone is not punishable. I was not focused on, but I should have been. The irrefutable fact that a call for genocide of Jewish people is a call for some of the most terrible violence human beings can perpetrate. It's evil, plain and simple. Penn must initiate a serious and careful look at our policies. And Provost Jackson and I will immediately convene a process to do so. So a lot of people feel that was disingenuous, that she spoke her truth uh, before Congress, and this was to save her skin. At least that's what some people are saying. Some donors are threatening to pull out of some of these institutions. We're really grateful to have somebody on who has, um, who has connections to both MIT and Penn. His name is Peter Bonilla. He graduated uh, from uh, the University of Pennsylvania, I believe back in 2005. He is now part of the MIT Free Speech Alliance, uh, which is not an MIT organization, but it has a connection to MIT, and Peter joins us right now. Peter, welcome to TMZ Live. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So um, you have a connection to both universities. You heard what went, what went down in Congress. Uh, what say you about what the university president said? Well, I understand the criticisms, uh, and I and I share them because universities have a long track record of privileging certain types of offense over others when it comes to allowing or or sanctioning certain expression. Even as uh, the the university presidents are right that those those calls are judgment calls that do depend on the context. I spent a long time before my current position uh, in Philadelphia at the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, reviewing many of these types of cases. And the context does matter. If you're hearing, um, you know, there there's a big difference between you know if someone writes the you know writes from the river to the sea on their Facebook post or they hold it on a sign at a rally. That's a lot different and gets a lot more protection than, say, uh, being part of a mob shout, shout, shouting that slogan outside uh, someone's dorm room or office, trapping them in there and, and putting them in fear for their safety. But that's so not. It, but, but that's not exactly what the members of Congress were asking. They were not talking about from the river to the sea. They were specifically saying, "What about what about 
calling for the genocide of Jews. So that was put on the table, and the answers equivocated. The answers were not clearly, well, we would condemn that. So when you take it to that level, the genocide of Jews, I'm wondering what your reaction is to that. Well, I think equivocating on on at least the the moral outrage of of something like that, uh, calling for the genocide, you know, calling for the genocide of the Jews. It is it strikes us at our core. It is a morally outrageous position to take. The unfortunate thing, and and you know, we're dealing with three private institutions which aren't strictly uh, which aren't strictly bound by the First Amendment, but which do have uh, which do have free speech policies that are at least informed somewhat significantly by. Uh, by the boundaries of First Amendment law, you know the the unfortunate and uncomfortable truth is a call uh, a call like that uh, just because it's as a, just because it's that outrageous doesn't necessarily lose its protection solely on that basis. I want to give you a hypothetical. Suppose it wasn't um, a group of students calling for the genocide of Jews. What if um, the Ku Klux Klan? Um, came on campus at University of Penn with burning crosses and called for um, the death of black people. I think in a situation like that, the university would have a lot of would have a lot of leeway to restrict them to to have them removed from the, from the campus and say that they are that they are creating uh, that they are creating a safety threat. Uh, I think that it, I think that in situations like that, um, yeah. Well, what's, I think you, well, what, what's you, the difference? What's the difference between that and calling for the genocide of Jews? I don't see a difference there. Well, if you're if you're the if you're the Ku Klux Klan and you're if you're you're marching onto a private campus uh, like this without any particular uh, without any particular connection without any particular right to be there, uh, if you're if you're burning crosses, um, things like this, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of historical you know there there are a lot of historical uh, historical examples of of this kind of thing where but aren't there but aren't uh, there also historical examples of Jews being exterminated? Yes, there are. There absolutely are. And there and and you know and one of the uh, you know as, as a as a civil libertarian one of our you know one of the hallmarks of civil libertarianism is the ACLU defending uh, defending the rights of uh, defending the rights of the Ku Klux Klan or or I'm sorry of the Nazis to march in in Skokie Illinois um, the ugliness and hatefulness and vileness of your views don't necessarily. Uh, disqualify you from First Amendment protection. I think there is. Yeah, I think in the hypothetical you described, you know, the university would uh, would probably have a lot of cause to uh, to remove that protest to protect the safety of its community. So, but, um, but, but, but I, I want to ask you something. Let's say there are students from the university that organize a KKK type rally. There are students there, and they they do exactly the same as asking for the genocide of Jews. I don't see the difference between the two at all. I think a lot. I think a lot of people don't, and I think that's. Uh, and I think you've cut to a really, uh, to a really compelling, uh, to a really compelling part of this entire argument, which universities are are in a real bind to, uh, to get to get themselves out of and explain themselves on. Um, you are you are right. Um, if we were talking, if we were talking hypotheticals in in certain other instances. Uh, you know, 
the conversation will get a lot easier for for a lot of people. Um, there is this sense, and universities have to overcome this, that for some reason, when we're talking about Israel and Palestine, when we're talking about the Jews in this context, there is, you know, it is more, uh, it is more acceptable to take these extreme positions. I do, I, I do agree. Like you're, you're cutting to, you're cutting to a significant challenge, uh, and and getting to the heart of a lot of hypocrisy that we see from university administrations around this issue. Yeah. Well, look, we really appreciate you coming on. I mean, you're the perfect person because you're aligned with two universities that are dealing with this issue right now. So, Peter, thank you so much. Thank you. Hopefully, I was able to be of some use to you. Really appreciate it. Buffalo Bills coach Sean McDermott is under fire for a reason that is absolutely bizarre. We know head coaches in sports like to use metaphors to try to rally their team. Of course, they give impassioned speeches to try to rally people together. But the example that Sean McDermott used is just blowing people's minds. There was an article that came out yesterday detailing a team meeting that happened in 2019 which says he cited the hijackers as a group of people this who is were all... Yes, this was 9-11, saying he cited the hijackers as a group of people who were all able to get on the same page to orchestrate attacks to perfection. So, needless to say, people were outraged by the fact so that Sturmit used 9-11 hijackers talking about their teamwork and communication. As inspiration to... to it, be a be better exactly players. so after this article came out people were furious and he apologized here's what he had to say my intent in the meeting that day was to discuss the importance of communication and being on the same page with the team i regretted mentioning 9-11 in my message that day and i immediately apologized to the team not only was 9-11 a horrific event in our country's history but a day, but a day that I lost a good family friend. So supposedly, like he mentioned, he apologized the same day he gave this speech, recognizing that what he said was inappropriate. Why the hell and, did he say it then? Oh, I, I don't have a good answer for that, Babcock. It, I, I think it's, it's outrageous. You know, and, and I'll say this too, and I, I lost a friend, Jeff Robinson on 9-11. I would never, ever, ever, under any circumstance, celebrate 9-11 a terrorist who killed 3,000 plus Americans as, as some model of great communication. It's absurd. This is such a hollow apology from him. What, what an absolute moron. Please, do, no don't misunderstand me there, anyone in Buffalo. It's so stupid and offensive. I agree. It's horrible. It's terrible. I don't think, I, I, and, and I'm just trying to figure out some grace here, I don't think he's celebrating 9-11 I, I, what he's doing is awful. And I mean, I, I, it's, it's hard to even believe he used that analogy, but I don't think he was embracing the terrorists. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't go that far. I, I, I mean, but, but I, I, I mean, but I agree with you. It's terrible. Yeah, no, I, I mean, and I, I think his message was, you, look, you've got these group of people who coordinated these attacks, multiple airplanes. 
I, I, I don't know. I just don't get it. I feel like there are probably so many other better examples out there. And to, well, there are. To, to yeah. shed that, you know, uh, terrorists in a positive light in any way, I, I just don't understand. Well, he, well, he's too smart for that. How much do you think, Babcock, this is going to hurt their season? No, look, and, and you've already seen, obviously, this year about their star players not getting along with each other. And I, I think it does, Jacob perfect point go to show the fact that this story came out years later I think it shows that he is not exactly loved within that locker room because otherwise why does this story come out four years later so does he survive this I mean yeah I don't think that he'll lose his job over this hard but he might lose his job because his football team should be much better than they are and it's not going to help him though Mike out of Atlanta um just a quick question for Sean um man what's going on doc uh, I, I don't know what you're used to, don't know where you were in 01 or if you've seen the news or read a book since, but that was a very difficult day for us. Um, there are one million stories, as you guys said, about battling adversity, right? For example, maybe the Americans on that day. I'm not saying use the metaphor. I'm not saying run with it. But if you're going to use it, man, be on our side on it. But not really surprised here. Sean McDermott has been kind of losing his mind for the past couple of years. And honestly... I can tell why, but uh, thank you guys. Yeah, <laughs> boy, this is a mind-blowing day, I gotta tell you. Wow, uh, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we told you about Kevin Costner rebounding. Guess who else has rebounded? That would be one Sophie Turner. Remember, she is getting divorced from Joe Jonas. Well, she's got a new man, and there is a royal connection. Welcome back to TMZ Live, Harvey and Jacob here. So we told you about Kevin Costner rebounding with Jewel. Sophie Turner has done the same. And it turns out this is a guy we've seen before. She was making out with this guy on the street a couple months ago. We didn't know if it was a one-off or not, but it isn't. It's her boyfriend. And this dude is wealthy and he's got royal connections. Good combo. Yeah. Uh, he, apparently, this is Perry Pearson, and he is the heir to the Pearson media empire. Pretty, pretty good-looking guy, too. Uh, I guess, you know, I don't want to you know, go back to this, but I feel like you have to. Where is Joe Jonas in all of this? Wouldn't you feel a little bit threatened if your ex-wife goes off with a billionaire who has the fortune to this oh God, media empire? This again? I, I, I feel like you, you can't, no, it's the elephant in the room here. I was going to say, Jacob, that the this morning during our morning meeting taping for the TV show, the, this man was a hot commodity in the entire room because not only is he a good-looking gentleman, he's taller than Joe Jonas. The net worth of him is worth more than Joe Jonas. And, yeah, Sophie Turner has found herself a tall drink of water. The triple threat. Oh, my God, what is going on in this office? <laughs> I mean, everybody thinks the only thing that matters is how tall you are and how rich you are. I what mean, else matters uh, well, then, Harvey? What yeah, else matters in a meaningful relationship? Please give me your take. <laughs> I guess maybe kindness, maybe. <laughs> but they, you know what? They really mean this Wow, back here. silence, silence. No, wow, I you got mean, nothing said, to come back with wait, other than money, I said kindness. and good looks. How, how about intelligence? How about kindness? How about funny? I mean, come on. Well, I feel like intelligence and money is and by the way, hand in by hand. the way, and by the way, okay, Nikki, yeah, he's worth $270 million. He's an heir to the Pearson media fortune. I get it. Joe Jonas has millions and millions and millions of dollars too. What does it matter? He lives a luxurious life, and so does this Pearson guy. So what is the difference looking at whether there's an extra zero in the bank account? I'm serious. 
Well, I mean, Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner are getting a divorce and this is her new man. So I think that's a big factor, a big, huge thing, a big arrow. She's happy. And also, if you're Joe Jonas, you've got to be paying attention to who your kids might be spending time with. That's I mean, true. No, that's serious, fair. That's fair. Yeah, if it gets more serious, we know that they're splitting custody. The kids are going to be spending part of the time in the U.S. and then the U.K. So Joe's not going to be around when they're in the U.K. No, 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 but obviously. that's a fair point. That's a fair point, and that's something that he should be concerned about. He shouldn't be concerned. It's, oh, my God, the guy's four inches taller than me. I mean, I didn't say that. No, but I, I mean, that's what goes on in this office. Everybody talks about this and like, oh, he's richer, so he's got to be better. No, that's not the way it works. I'm Brittany in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and I just wanted to add that happiness matters. One of y'all, see if you can find a picture. I did some Googles. I could not find a picture of her smiling this hard with Joe Jonas. So she just said I had to upgrade him. She um, went and got a richer man. She's smiling bigger, and Joe's the one that filed for the divorce anyway, so... Let my girl live. I mean, in, in fairness to Joe Jonas, they were married for a good amount of time. I'm sure she smiled a good amount. They got married that. in Las Vegas <laughs> at an Elvis wedding. They were happy at the time. I mean, my God. Okay, we got to move on to Mariah Carey. So you know Mariah Carey has been dethroned uh, by Brenda Lee, um, uh, who now has the number one Christmas song. So Mariah's not going down without a fight because she has now released a new music video uh, for her very famous song. So I am thinking that this has something to do with regaining top spot. Oh, absolutely. Mariah Carey wants this so bad. She loves it. She has 19 number one hits, more than anybody except the Beatles. And every time one of her songs would hit number one, she would throw a themed party around whatever num number number one hit it was for her. Like, it's my number 17 party, my number 18 party. She's very aware of it, and she wants it. And I love that she's still competitive about it all these years later. Yeah, but she's fighting a 94-year-old. <laughs> 78, almost 79. Oh, okay. But actually, you know I'm what? Sorry. But I'm sure actually Mariah is happy about that. I saw somebody posted. So the oldest woman ever to have a number one hit was Cher. She was 52 and believe hit number one. Brenda Lee, because they're counting her as a 78-year-old now, is now the oldest woman. If Mariah was number one, she's 53. She would have been the oldest woman. She's older than Cher was back then. And now Mariah is not the oldest woman. Oh my so, God. Wow. I'm sure she doesn't mind losing that stat. That's one she's probably okay not to have. Well, I think Eric makes a good point because at this point in Mariah Carey's career, her whole brand and her whole identity is Christmas. So she needs to let people know that she's still the top dog. And from that video that we played a little bit ago, that's from her ongoing tour right now where she's going around the country performing Christmas songs. She's got the best gig in the world that she can roll out the you know her Christmas songs um, once a year she works hard for a month and a half two months and she's fine I mean that's amazing yes this is a uh, daily wolf from Oklahoma City and I believe she's doing it because the world needs it I believe she knows the world needs this um, this type of uh, presentation this uh this uh Christmas card to the world. And I think uh, she's synonymous for doing this and uh, I think she's in her right space, right heart, right state of mind. The world needs it. 
I love that you said the Christmas, she, she delivers a Christmas card to the world. That's a great way of putting it. It really is. Good, good tagline for the tour. I like it. Tis the season, uh, and um, I am obsessed with this now, that AI has now invaded the space of Christmas shopping. Um, I, I, I'm obsessed with it because we're doing a really cool special in a month or two that we're gonna be talking about a lot, but it involves AI. But for now, we're gonna talk about how AI is being used by people more and more uh, to shop for Christmas. And uh, who, who better to talk about this than our buddy Damon John talking about uh, following the money. That's exactly what we're doing today with AI. Damon, welcome back. Thank you so much. I'm excited about this because uh, for the last two weeks, I've been giving people Christmas or holiday gift ideas because I see so many products. But now maybe I don't have to concentrate as much on that. This AI thing is solving a lot. So you got to explain this because I, I don't fully understand the difference between using ChatGPT to find deals, to find the kind of product that you would want and using just Google. What's the difference between the two? Well, you see, Google has its own version of it now, but let's look at it like this. When you go into Google something in general, right, you're gonna get the top hits. That's probably somebody who paid a lot of money. That person could be good or bad, or they have a lot of money. Um, when you look at chat GPT to Google or to search anything, it's gonna pull all the data. And the more, as we call them, prompts you put in what you're looking for will yeah. search everything and find what's for you. So you now, Google actually has a service now that's gonna show you all the real products and fake products that you're looking for. So not only do you see the real ones, but you see the ones to stay away from because it's uh, AI is pulling that. Um, you're also going to see products now from like MasterCard and various other places where you put in, hey, I want to buy some of my buddy Harv. Here's who he is. Here's what he likes. Da, 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 da. I can't figure it out. And here's my price range. They're going to they're going to aggregate and pull everything and say, this is what this type of person would most likely appreciate. And then you can also put in who you are, what you have to spend, and who you want to buy for, and what you would rather give to be. It's just getting narrow and deep, and also, of course, tells you the best and the cheapest way to buy it, whether you get it shipped to you or buy it immediately. God, that is really well, interesting. Well, it sounds so convenient and perfect, but don't you think that there could be some problems that could arise by using AI to help you shop, just given that the amount of data that they're going to be able to collect over years, and who knows how these companies are going to be able to use it, what do you think they're going to do moving forward? I mean, powerful, powerful point. You know, listen, um, at the end of the day, this is the best thing about computers is, uh, or, or, or technology. The human thought process always has to be added to it because no matter what you get, you always have to double check, check your, you know, check your gut, ask questions and think about it like that. But yeah, I love that you say that because so many people have just only relied on the system or the computers. Because I give you an example, I was driving the other day and they said I was going to get someplace that was going to take me 45 minutes when I knew the area so well that I knew that, yeah, if I made a little infraction of the law, a little U-turn right here, it went down to eight minutes, but that computer only knew the only way that you can go. I'm not telling everybody that they should U-turn and drive over Miss Peartree's grass, but I'm saying that you have to think about it exactly and add human intelligence to it as well. How on earth, because we've talked about this before, and you've, you've always said there's still going to be a place for brick and mortar stores. I don't see it now. 
I mean, especially, I, I, I honestly, until we started talking now, I was never really thinking of AI when it came to shopping. But it's such a better way of doing it because you can stylize it to the person. Why would you waste time going in a store not knowing really what the other person wants when you can zero in like a like like a, a heat-seeking missile to figure out what the other person really wants? Well, we're also in the world that as things uh, you know change, some things stay the same. You know, human interaction and experience is something that AI cannot give you necessarily at home. And a lot of retailers are saying, listen, if you buy this or come to this, then you're going to be able to see it here. I'll give you an example. You know, my wife gave me an early, uh, you know, um, a Christmas gift. I'm going to go to, I think, Carnegie Hall, one of these places, and they have a live orchestra while they play the Black Panther movie. Um, you're not going to be able to get that anyplace else, but she found it due to AI, right? So mm. experiences are always going to be great. It's all about what are you into? Are you somebody who wants to experience things at home, or are you want to go out and be around more people during the holidays and have experiences that you can never ever forget and nobody ever can take back it is all about what we're offering but there's just bringing you a quicker way to see all the offerings out there uh and i just think this is absolutely amazing so i we're gonna end with this um you know i told you that jacob is kind of an old soul <laughs> he's 26 years old and if i typed in his profile you know what that you know what would come up to buy him sketchers Sketchers and Stop. insoles Stop. and insoles. <laughs> I love it. And you know what? I got to tell everybody, come go to my page. This is not a selfish plug because I'm not I'm not selling anything uh, at the Shark Damon. I give all great ideas about what to buy for the holidays or the new year. Let me give you an example. You know what's really still great? Vintage shops. Guys like us, we always lose our money clips. And guess what? I bought this sucker for twelve dollars. Nice. Right. Go to. You know, so it, it, it's always cool oh, about like AI. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I have some great ideas. We all have some great ideas. But go with your gut. If you know somebody likes something, go with your gut. You do not have to lot of, spend a lot of money. You know, my little daughter gave me this, and it is the most expensive gift ever in my life. She made it with her little hands, and I look at it every day. So, oh, that's so happy sweet. holidays, everybody, and thank you for uh, what you guys do, uh, uh, making us smarter every single day. Okay, my friend. We will see you next week. All right. Thank you. Thanks. So we told you uh, that Lynn Spears, in fact, we broke the story that Lynn Spears showed up uh, for Britney Spears' uh, 42nd birthday about a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago. And this was a major reconciliation. The question is, how long would it last? Um, and was it a real reconciliation between mother and daughter? Well, guess what? Lynn is back in town. She arrived at LAX. Uh, and um, this feels like they are forging a new relationship. This was Lynn at LAX. Is that a possibility here for, for, for Brittany to go back home and spend some time back in Louisiana? Would that make you happy? All things are always possible. All things are good though as far as the family goes, just moving in the right direction, I take it. Do you miss Sam? Not really. Oh, that was interesting. <laughs> I see, I, yeah. she was really playing her cards close no. to the vest. That was really interesting. I, I, I Not she really. A shot. She is. Look, I'm just going to say it. She's afraid to say something that is going to enrage mm -hmm. her daughter. And that's why she's walking on eggshells there. But the fact that she said not really to me is Britney Spears voice. Hey, friends, it's Taj out in Atlanta, Georgia. 
Uh, I think Lynn is being very optimistic about the reconciliation possibilities. I think she wants to keep as quiet as possible so as to not risk messing, messing that up for, you know, that happening for her and her daughter. What is in the background there? Is that, a, it looks like, is that a cat? It's my little china. I was trying to hide her and she just wasn't. Nah, not gonna, not gonna happen. Your cat's a media, you know what. Uh, <laughs> okay, we are, uh, what else do you guys want to talk about? Hey guys, it's Coco Louie coming to you live from Washington, D.C. Chiming in on the Selena Gomez story. And I mean, even though people have things to say, it's her life, it's their life. Let them be, be happy. I'm here for it. Love, you know, starting at the end of the year to go into the new year. So I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah. No, people should back off. If she wants to be with him, she's with him, period. One more. Hi, my name is Imani McGill. I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana. In response to Kevin Costner, it looks like a work partnership has made its way into the romantic area. Someone who is newly divorced or freshly out of a relationship is going to want to move freely, and this is exactly what he's doing with Jewel. With the two going on vacation together and Kevin mentoring her son, it was only a matter of time before the two expressed feelings for each other. So whether they are in a relationship or it's just a fling, it looks like things are going pretty well for the two. Yeah. I love, I love you said that he's in the romantic area and we're showing a shot around uh, with his hands around her waist. <laughs> I guess that's the romantic area. <laughs> that's one way of putting it. Welcome back to TMZ Live. So uh, what do you get when you get Leo DiCaprio, Ivanka Trump, and Jared Kushner in a room? You tell me, boss. Oh, jeez. Nothing. I got nothing from you. Uh, so they're together. They went to a party at Art Basel in Miami. They show up at the same restaurant. We don't know that they interacted. They sat down with each other a couple years ago where Leo was trying to advocate climate change policy to her. Trump clearly did not take it too seriously because they pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord. And I don't blame Leo for being bitter about it if he is. Well, he may be bitter about it. And I, uh, and I happen to take his position on this. Mm -hmm. But we have become such a divided country where you're no longer allowed to even talk to the people that you disagree with, much less have a relationship with them. That's got to change. I don't think it's getting better. It's got to change. Uh, have a great weekend and we will see you Monday.